Can everybody hear me? Is it loud enough? Okay. Well, um, you know, I hope everybody is really learning from these studies. I hope it's equipping you and helping you. I know so far there are a lot of great studies going on, and I uh, am really encouraged by so many sisters and soon-to-be sisters. I know Mary Rim and Beidou are studying with Tina, and she's in the hospital ministry, and I got a chance on Sunday to be in the study with Dina, Donna Hooper, and Ray, and with Ingrid, which is a restoration. And yesterday, we started cutting the cough with Kim, who's also a friend of Dina, and Laverne studying, and uh, just, and I know Dianetti is studying with someone. We did a study with Juanita, Brenda Boyce, a friend. Yes, hey Juanita, hey Brenda. <laughs> so it's just really encouraging. And today we started Light and Darkness with my daughter Grace. So yes, amen. So we praying for all these women and, and young women studying the Bible and pray for us too that we can love and serve and be the example of Christ, and show the way of Christ. So, amen. So, it's exciting. And let's just keep doing what we're doing, God, uh, ladies, and God will be so pleased and so excited. And we are building up this kingdom and building up the world. So, we'll, we're going to start in, we're doing Sin and Repent tonight, and we're going to start in Luke 7, 36 and 50. So, we're going to just read that. Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, so he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him five hundred denarii, the other fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she, sh she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. 
the other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So, amen. So here we're talking about two kinds of hearts, two different characters in the Bible um, that we can identify with. And there have, there's two different kinds of hearts here. We have the heart of Simon, the character, Simon the Pharisee and the sinful woman. And when you look at Simon, he knew about Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. He even invited him into his home. But, you know, he didn't really have a lot of belief in Jesus or respect for Jesus. And he says he didn't even do the customary thing that you would do when a guest comes into your home. He didn't wash his feet. And, you know, after being on the road, you were in dusty sandals. It was a custom to wash, take your sandals off and wash your feet. And uh, he didn't give him a kiss or pour oil on his head. And also he was critical towards Jesus and who he associated with. He saw this woman and he's like, what is she doing in here? Who let her in here? She's not allowed to associate with us. And look, she's even associating and touching Jesus. I can't believe Jesus is allowing this woman to touch him. And he looked down on Jesus. And what we see here about him, he was not humble and he was not aware of his own sin. He did not see the sin in his own life. But he was aware of everybody else's sin. And then you have the sinful woman who came put herself in a vulnerable situation. She was sinful. She was known as a sinful woman, so obviously everyone in the town knew about her. Her sin was obvious. And, you know, it could have been prostitution. She could have been an adulteress. She could have been immoral. She could have been a thief. So many things. And, uh, but she had this reputation. But she didn't care. She even brought herself, put herself in a situation where she could have been thrown out, she could have been stoned, beaten, she could have been, you know, cursed at, but she didn't care. She just wanted to get to Jesus. And she humbled herself before Jesus and everybody, and to the point where she cried at his feet and wiped his feet with, washed his feet with perfume, alabaster jar perfume, which says somewhere else in the Bible that it was like a year's wages. And she sacrificed that on Jesus because that was how precious he was to her. And she wiped his feet with her hair. And this woman was more concerned about what Jesus thought than what everybody else thought. And she was aware of her sin. She came before him broken. She knew, I am a sinful woman. I don't deserve, I, I don't deserve to be with Jesus. You know, all I deserve, I need to be at his feet. That was her heart. And she wanted a relationship with Jesus so bad that she was willing to humble herself before him. She recognized who she was before Jesus. Whereas Simon didn't recognize who he was before Jesus. And, uh, you know, before I studied the Bible, I, I was not aware of either one of these. But honestly, um, I probably, um, you know, in my own lack of humility, it's funny, actually, when I, after I, when I studied the Bible, I remember saying to somebody, 
I'm, I'm humble. I'm a humble person. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so amazed that lightning didn't strike. But I, I didn't really understand what humility meant. I thought I was humble because I was kind of a shy person. I was kind of quiet. You know, I didn't really speak up much. So I thought that made me humble. Boy, did I have... I did not have a clue. The, the, when the sin came out and the pride came out, it was very obvious. But, um, so definitely, I think I was, would have been Simon the Pharisee. And, you know, you can share that in the study. Like, what you thought of yourself or where you would have been if you, you know, had to come before Jesus. Would you see yourself as Simon or would you see yourself as a sinful woman? And then you can ask them, as you look at your life over the past years, which would God say that you were more like? Which heart would God say that you have, Simon or the woman? And really, that's all that matters. It doesn't really matter what they say. The person you study with, if they think they're more like the sinful woman or the the Pharisee. The whole point of the study is to have the heart that God wants us to have. So it's okay if they don't admit it or they don't see it. It's all right. Because as we get into the scripture, God will reveal more and more who we really are before him. Okay? So the purpose of this study is to help us achieve the heart that God desires for us to have. The heart, which is the heart of a sinful woman. A heart that is broken and humble and aware of our sinfulness before God. So we can get the forgiveness that we need. And that's what we're going to talk about. Where we stand before God in our sin. So let's turn to Isaiah 59, verses 1 through 2. In 59, 1 through 2, it says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. His face from you, so that he will not hear. So here it says that I usually ask the person, what do you think iniquities are? And they don't know, explain that it's sin. That's what it means, that it's sin that separates us from God. And usually I draw on their notes a picture of a wall, and I write sin. This is our sin, and then God is on one side, and we are on the other side. And and that wall separates us from God. And I was in the study with Nana, and she did, she, I loved her example. I had never heard of it like this. But if, you know, you had a snake around your neck. And your friend is, like, afraid of snakes, wants nothing to do with them, they're poisonous, but this is your pet. And you come to your friend's house, she's going to say, you better get away from me with that snake. I don't like snakes, I don't live with snakes, I don't pet snakes, I don't want anything to do with a snake. And that's how our sin is with God. Even though God loves us, he cannot be with sin. He cannot be a part of sin. And so once we sin, it's like we do. We have that snake around us. And God can no longer be with us. But God gave us a way to get rid of that sin. 
to break that wall down. And that's what we're going to look at. So, you may ask your friend, okay, so, you know, it says that um, somehow we've got to break this sin down. We've got to get rid of the sin. How are we going to get rid of the sin? How can we do that? And it takes two things. It's going to take two parts. A part on us and a part on God. Our part is repentance. God's part is forgiveness. So God will forgive us when we repent. And we're going to need both forgiveness and repentance. Now, if we just repent and we don't get God's forgiveness, do we knock the wall down? No. Now, if we get, say we get baptized, but we don't repent, do we knock the wall down? No. We need both. And we're going to see in the next few scriptures where God talks about the point that we get the the forgiveness is through baptism. And let's look at Acts 2.38. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there it is. You know, in the kingdom, we said, you know, Peter had the keys. He preached about the coming of the kingdom. And Jesus said, I'm going to give him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever he binds on earth is bound in heaven. So if he's going to tell us this is what we need to do to get into the kingdom, we have to listen. Because he's got the keys. And he's going to get us into the kingdom if we follow what the Bible says. And so there it is. So we need both. And what does it mean to repent? And so I usually ask that. Some people know, some people don't. It, it literally means, it's a military term, it means to make an about face. So if you're going this way, you're going to turn around and go the opposite direction. You're going to go, you're going to make a complete turnaround. So if we are stealing, we stop stealing. If we're lying, we stop lying. If we're cursing, we stop cursing. If we're immoral, we stop being immoral. And I know for me, there are there were a lot of things that I had to repent of. But one of the ones that stands out is I was a cursor. Like I grew up in a house and a family that that's what we did. That's how we were raised. And I liked it. You know, I did it all the time. And, you know, but... I remember making that decision. Okay, i got to stop this. I'm not doing this anymore. And I didn't think I could do it. But I did. And it really felt so good. Because, you know, I felt kind of dirty and nasty. Like, here I am, cussing like a sailor. I don't think twice about it. And, you know, but I really felt good to see that God could change that in so many things in my life. And, uh... I even ask them, give an example. What, what are some things that you think that you will be able to, would like to repent of or something? You can ask them a few things. But for, next, let's go to 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10.
Okay, First Peter chapter 2, 9 through 10. It says, For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. So here it's saying that we go from the darkness to the light at a particular point in time. Okay, and I, I make a list, and you'll see it on your notes. There's a, a darkness and a light. And God says, okay, you are chosen people, a raw priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So when we are in the light, we are a chosen people. We are the people of God. We have God's mercy, which is forgiveness. We're in the light, which we are saved, and we are destined for heaven. Now the darkness, before we're in the light, we are not God's people. We don't have his forgiveness. We're in the darkness, we're lost, and we're separated from God. And on here it says destined for hell. But you know, basically, yes, there is going to be a heaven and a hell. The Bible speaks about it, but it says that those who are separated will not spend eternity with God. That is going to be hell. I could not imagine. Could you imagine living without God for eternity? I couldn't. I mean, think of all the evil, destruction, hate, vileness, murder, rape. You would be living in that, just living in that godlessness. No God, no hope, no goodness. I, I just, I couldn't imagine it. And, um, and you know, it's hard to talk about that because it sounds so harsh. But when you think about it, we're only given a limited time on this earth. And God gives us an opportunity and a choice. But like we said in the kingdom, you know, what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. If you are in the kingdom on earth, you will be in the kingdom in heaven. If you're not in the kingdom on earth, you're not in the kingdom in heaven. And so it's very important that, that we know this and God puts it in the Bible. Is there a middle ground? No. And it's sort of like a dark tunnel. If you're in a dark tunnel, you're in the darkness, right? And you cannot see. But as you keep walking in the tunnel, you may see the light outside or through a window. Even though you can see the light, where are you? Are you in the light? No, you're still in the dark. But you can see the light and you're going to it and you're getting close to it. And, you know, you can explain it like that. It's like... We're seeing it, and we're getting there, but we have to keep going. But there's a point in time, and we're going to look at that, when we get into his life, when we become his people, have mercy, save, and destined for heaven. Look at Mark 9, 42 through 47. It says, and if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, 
it would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It, it is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And so here, he is not literally saying, go and cut off your hands, gouge out your eyes. God is not saying to go and do that. He doesn't. But what he's saying is, to repent, take the sin so serious that, well, if that's what it's going to take. But he wants us to repent in our minds and in our hearts. That's where the real repentance happens. And he's saying, stay away from the sin. Get away. Run away as fast as you can. Don't walk into sin. Don't go where you can get into sin and get rid of it totally. And that should be our attitude in our heart. It's very serious to God. So next we're going to talk about what do we need to repent of according to the Bible. And so James 4.17 talks about the sin of omission. James 4, 17. Oh, I'm in five. Okay, I'm like, just a minute. Okay, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and does do it, sin. That's simple. So that's the sin of omission, the things that we don't do that we know we should be doing. And so, can you guys give me some examples? What are some examples of the things we know we ought to do, but don't do? Read your Bible. Pray. I'm sorry? Yes. Be a disciple. Help people. Disciple one another. Getting to places on time. Yeah, that is a good one. Yes, because you know, we know. Apologize, yes. Being giving, loving, forgiving. So many things. Those are great examples. So, um, <clears throat> so also in Mark 7, verse 20 through 23, that's a good one, we'll read that. went on, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within of, of a man's heart, of men's hearts come evil thoughts, 
sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. So Jesus is saying there are sins of the heart. Sins are not only evil actions, but also our thoughts as well can be sinful. And if we continue with those evil thoughts, eventually they will become action. But we have to deal with them even in our minds. And also, um, if every time you committed a sin of omission and you had to carry a marble, how big of a load would you have to carry? Think about that. When I, when I was like, wow, okay, I don't want to think about that. <laughs> but it really makes us think that, yes, we, we are sinful. We have so many things. But we have to, even after we're baptized, to continue to repent, even in our hearts. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. Now, I gave, everybody should have two sheets. We have the study and then the sin definition. We're not going to go through all the definitions tonight, but when you're studying the Bible with someone, you want to go through it. You may not have to read it word for word, it depends, but you really want to make sure the person you're studying with understands what sin is. So they can know, what is it that I need to repent of? What is it that is sin in God's eyes? And so some of these may need to be explained. <coughs> Excuse me. So back to Galatians 5, we'll just read that real quick, 6, 16, 5, 16 through 21. Okay, it says, so I live, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Y'all heard my southern accent come out there, huh? (laughs) Desires. What is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do do not do what you want, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So, here, so we will read this, and then these are the things that we actually do commit that are obvious things. And we all have a sinful nature, and we must find out what that nature is and crucify it. That is the purpose in knowing what sin is. So we look at the list, and um, a few things that you want to do here. Number one, 
you want to share with the person that you're studying with that what we talk about here stays here. It's private. That this is not going to be broadcast to everyone in the church or to other people or anybody. What's here stays here. It's private. It's between us. Secondly, um, the person who's leading the study, you are going to want to share about your life. What are some of these things in your life that you repented of? And thirdly, oh, and the other two, like if there's children people in the study, you want them to share, but only two specific things. Because we don't want to get there all day, everybody sharing the whole life story. You know, you can do that another time. Maybe on the way home of the subway or another lunch date. You can open up about your life, but only two things. But the person who is doing the study can share more. Okay, and then, um, and then, thirdly, you want to ask them, is there anything on this list that you would like to share about your life after you share that you're doing the study? And I'll just give you an example. Like for me, I'll share a few things about me. Um, you know, when I look at that list, um, I was not aware. I mean, I knew I wasn't like a perfect person, but I really had no clue how serious all my sin was and how much I had hurt so many people. And I think for me as a young girl, I always felt like I wanted to do something great for God. Like I wanted to be close to God. I wanted to be a good girl. You know, and uh, I was Catholic, and I remember when we would go to confession, I would walk out so happy, like, I'm, like, brand new, I'm so clean. You know, and that would last, like, 15 minutes, because next I'm fighting with my brother, and, you know, just whatever. But I think for me, um, I can really see um, at a young age, around my teenage years, when I started getting into deceit, and lust and immorality, impurity, and uh, you know, I was really influenced by some of my friends. And um, you know, they were all like, "Come on, we can do this." And you know, I wanted to act grown up. I wanted to act. I wanted to be more grown than I was. I'm like 13 or 14, and we're like, "Let's get drunk, let's drink, or let's try marijuana, or uh, let's go and flirt with boys." And we used to dress up and go to clubs. At 13 and 14, like, yeah. And dressed up to look like grown women. And there were, like, you know, grown men hitting on us. And anything, some terrible things could have happened to us. So many terrible things. Where we were out of control, we didn't know what we were doing, and we were putting ourselves in dangerous situations. But, you know, that led on to more things, to having boyfriends, to sexual impurity immorality, and more lying, more deceit, more dishonoring my parents. And really, I had my parents so fooled. You know, they thought, oh, she's a good girl. She would not do that. Lauren would never do that. You know, and little did my mom know what was really going on on the weekends when I was at my friend's house. Now, I knew I couldn't get away with it in her home. But I knew where to go and be at my friend's house and we, you know, their parents weren't as strict and they just let, her, let us go. 
And we could make up any lie and say anything. Oh, we, we were in so-and-so's house, or we were here, we were there. And the parents didn't check up on it. So, you know, that got me into a lot of sin. Just by lying, and I didn't realize how I was hurting myself. And uh, which led to debauchery, you know, drunkenness, uh, just becoming self-consumed, idolizing men, idolizing myself, uh, wanting to get rich and famous, and all these things. Just, you know, so much sin. Gossip, slander, hatred, you name it. The door, it was just like the floodgates opened. You know, and luckily I was 24 when I became a disciple. And so, but by then I had committed a lot of things. I had done a lot of sins. And uh, so, you know, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have, to been able to repent from those things. You know? So, but I think when you, when you talk about it, and you, when you talk about it with the friend you're studying with them, and when it's their turn to share, or even when later what we do, you can do is ask them to write a, a letter. After we've talked about what sin is, write a letter of gratitude to God for all the things, like on here, that pertains to them, or more, things that are not on here. Write a letter to God of gratitude and forgiveness for the things that God is going to forgive them of. Okay? And... The thing is, too, when you're talking to people about sin and helping them understand what their sin is and what they need to repent of, it's not like we want to know all the business of you, the person, but it's to help. Because you want to make sure that this person can be free from the sin. And ladies, there's, you have to be willing to ask some hard questions. You know, I mean, I've studied with a lot of women, and I'm sure a lot of you have. And there's a lot of things that people carry around with them all their lives. You know, there's women who have been molested, have been sexually promiscuous, who have been raped, uh, abortions, many sexual partners, incest. I mean, it's, it's a lot of things out there, you, you know, and we can't be shocked or surprised. Because there, there's just Satan, you know, he, he it's just an evil world. And um, the thing is, you want to help them to come to terms with those things. And even some things like um, bestiality, you know, I've studied with people that have also experienced that. These are some things that you may not want to talk about, but you have to ask the question. Because they may carry that around all their lives when God wants to take that burden away. God wants to forgive all of that. And so the scripture that I wanted to look at is in Matthew 11, 28-30. And we don't have to turn to it, or you can turn to it, but it's basically saying that Jesus wants to carry our load. Because he knows the load of sin is too much for us to carry. He wants to take it on. And take it away from us and forgive us of it and cleanse us of all of our sin. So don't be afraid to go there and ask the questions. Also, um, he, he, how do we, now how do we get rid of that load, that burden and guilt of sin? And back in John 3, 1 through 7, we're not going to read it all, 
where Jesus talked about we need to be born again of water and the Spirit. Okay, so there has to be an obvious change in our life because of the influence of God and the imitation of Jesus, but we also have to be baptized. Where we looked in Acts, in Acts 2, 38, that's at the point that we are repent and we are baptized. Okay? So that's very important. <clears throat> Acts 26.20. Let's turn there. You ladies still with me? I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. So repentance is actually, it's about our deeds. Yes, it has to start in our heart, but a true repentance is going to be in our deeds. And how are we going to change? How are we going to turn to God? What are the sins that we must repent of? What's going to be the most difficult? And you can share some of the ones that were difficult for you that you still can struggle with. But also ask them, what do you think are going to be the sins that are going to be the most difficult? Because we want to help you. We want to be there. We want you to have success. Because we know that Satan is going to look for your weakness. He's going to look for that point where he can get you. So we're in this together to help each other. And then in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11, it talks about godly sorrow. And let's read that. It says, even if I cause you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness to see justice done. At every point you have proved yourselves to be innocent in this matter. <clears throat> so amen. Godly sorrow brings repentance, which is refreshing. In Acts 3.19, you can go back and look at that or read that. You see what you did wrong. You Personally, you want to get help. You, you see it for yourself or through help from others. You're convicted. You feel guilty. But you change. You really want to change no matter what it costs. You want to be right before God. Because you realize you hurt God. You hurt God more than anybody else. And you're hurting yourself and others. Because just like me, when all that stuff, you know, for a long time I thought, oh, woe is me, I'm such a victim, look what happened to me, this happened to me, I had a heartbreak, I had all this, which was true. I did have some hard things, some sins against me, but I caused a lot of sin on other people as well. 
even all those men that I was in a relationship with or flirted with or whatever, you know, I was leading them to hell along with me. I was, you know, wrapping that noose around their neck. And I had to see that. That it's not woe is me. I'm just as guilty. The blood of Jesus is on my hand. I'm the guilty woman. And it, it was when I saw that, you know, but that also that he was willing to forgive all of that. Like, you know, I didn't really deserve it. I really did this. These, these were not good things. And uh, I had to take responsibility. I did this. But Jesus wanted to wipe it away, like wipe my slate clean, which was profound for me because I grew up in a family where we held records of wrong. Oh boy, you could never, if you did something, you were known for that all your life. That's who you are. Like, they still call me nicknames, Miss Dumpet, because I used to spill things. I'm a grown woman. Like, I will never outlive some of these things. You know, like, they remember your sin. They remember everything. But not with God. God's like, I don't, I remember your sin no more. It's wiped clean. You're free. You're a free woman. So, we, again, you know, we looked at forgiveness in Acts 2, 36-41. And here Peter explained that because of Jesus dying for us out of his love for us, we must repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sin. So we looked at that. But you can read it again in the study. For time's sake, I'm not going to read it now. And then turn to Romans 6. One through four. We're going to read that. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So here it's saying that baptism is not just a symbol, but instead it's a participation in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We participate. We come into contact with Jesus and his blood. We are in union with Jesus, which is very important because Jesus lived, he was buried, died and buried for sin, for our sin, and he resurrected to a new life. As a disciple, <clears throat> we have our old life, and we die to that. We crucify those sins. We die to those sins, and we're baptized, and we're buried with Christ, and we're raised to a new life. And we, this is important, because this is the point that we come in contact with Jesus, and we receive the forgiveness of our sins. And so, sisters, this is very important. And, you know, if God had said do it a different way, we would do it a different way. 
But this is what it says, and this is what we have to continue to teach and continue to preach as long as we can, so we can save as many as possible. And let's make this journey of confession and see how much God wants to forgive and take the burden of sin off of you. You want to share that with your your friends that you're studying. God wants to give you a new life and wipe all these away. And you know what? It's not that we're going to... Today we were studying with my daughter, and so she was like, well, do you guys ever sin anymore? And I'm like... You know we do. You know we live together. Think about it. And she's like, oh yeah. But you know what? Yeah, we do. And we, we're not going to be perfect. But when God looks at us, he doesn't see that because we're covered in Jesus' blood. And so when Satan accuses us and we stand there and he's like, look at what she did. And she did this. She did that. And he's like, No. She's dead. Lauren is dead. All I see is Christ. And Christ overcame sin. And so we overcome when we are clothed in Christ. And so that is the victory that we have. Amen.